times when when you're working for legacy carriers, legacy airlines, I would say, in travel is they can feel like tankers. It's a fine balance, like you say, isn't it? There is the existing ways of working and it's about developing the, the, the new ways of working. And ultimately, we've all got to remember what we're here for. We're here for the customer, to serve the customer. It's very exciting when you hear the plans. And like you said, at the same time, it raises eyebrows, the, the amount of money being invested. The, the, the desire to compete with some of the well, top five airlines in the world. And you, you know, people kind of look over and think, they can't do that. We do need more disruptors. We need more disruptors to kind of talk, rather than just talk about what we can do in the confines of what's available to us, is actually what can we do next? How can an operation run differently? How can we personalize travel in a way that it hasn't been done today? Or why is it so easy to do something on a phone? Welcome everyone again to the Flying High Club podcast. It's me, uh, your host Raza Ali, and today is a special one. I'm joined today by uh, a guest that's you know, very close to myself and a journey that I've watched from actually a very young age. Uh, he is a inspirational leader, quoted as some as being a diamond in the rough uh, and one to watch out uh, as a leader for the future. He leads one of the most complex operations in one of the most complex regions and for one of the largest airlines in the world. Uh, he has a great background from the beginnings uh, by being in check-in and further on leading a worldwide operation. I'd like to introduce you to you, my guest, Sahel Ali. Thank you, Reza. Um, no, it's a privilege to be here. Um, uh, I think you've maybe oversold me there. We'll find out on the podcast how it, how it all works out. But uh, no, pleasure to be here. Uh, and I'm really glad that we are kicking this off finally. Uh, and look forward to having a, a good conversation, which I hope that uh, we can all kind of benefit from and it's a good experience for me too. Oh, amazing and I, I, it's, I know it's been a long time coming and trying to get everything uh, sorted and planned uh, but this is something me and Sahel have been wanting to try bring to the market as it were for a very long time and uh, the reason I say this is close to home is many of you in the industry would have seen us in the aviation space at conferences and talking but Little did anyone know that we're actually brothers and <laughs> brothers in aviation. Mm -hmm. So uh, I followed uh, suit from, from Sahel and my father who have been in aviation, which we'll cover. Uh, but when we sat down, we, we looked at what was going on in the modern world and the world of content and, and video creation and seen the real lack of it in our industry. And we thought that we should tackle this head on and have deep, meaningful conversations about a topic that we're so passionate about, which is aviation and travel. Um, and that doesn't exclude, you know, other 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 people. But, you know, the, the common theme is always going to be travel. And that's one thing I'm so happy that we're able to sit down about and uh, what we're going to discuss all things travel today. No, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the aviation industry uh, in itself or travel as an industry is, is huge. And I think... Uh, there are many different backgrounds. It's a diverse industry. And I think it's important to make sure what we can do is bring people here and show uh, relatable content that people can look to, uh, two normal individuals uh, um, and uh, many more that come along here um, and, and see their journey, understand it, and hopefully pick up something that we can all take away from because uh, 
experience-based learning is, is probably the best way to learn. You want to get yourself in there, get your hands dirty and, and learn. And hopefully we can talk about that today as well. Um, but yeah, no, thoroughly looking forward to the future of what we're doing here with, with Flying High Club. Uh, I think this is one element and I think as things progress, we'll see more and more um, layers and opportunities that come around with, with what we are presenting to you all here. So uh, like I said, I'm really excited um, to be here. Look forward to the conversation today. Amazing. So th that brings us on really nicely to the start. And, and it's the one question that I'm probably going to move forward with everyone going forward is, you know, the, the journey of beginning your career and how that went about and how you actually came into travel. Uh, I know it's a sort of a unique story, so I think it would bring <laughs> loads of people uh, uh, a lot of relatable stories uh, a lot of relatable experiences so it will be great to start off there of talk to me about your early career as uh, and covering education and background and everything like that sure um so i think what you find with most people i don't think anyone has it planned out uh, and i think that's the biggest takeaway i would give to anyone you know uh, your career we all have ideas uh, we have all have thoughts and those change as we grow uh, and the opportunities that present themselves to us so um you know Growing up in the UK, uh, I wanted to be a footballer. Like, <laughs> you know, I thought I was pretty good. Obviously not, not. Um, but no, as you, as you, as you grow up, and um, you know, I think uh, as I kind of went through the A level process, um, actually, again, I was really affiliated to sport, and I wanted to get into things like um, wanting to be a sports agent. I thought I had quite a business mind. I like sport. I'm not as good as I thought I would be athletically, but how could I still get involved and um, that was a direction I was taking. Um, and then actually the opportunity to meet new people, new surroundings, um, meant that I took a different path. So I guess the, the biggest first thing I would say is, uh, I think my career now would look quite well thought out. Uh, I can, I can assure everyone it wasn't, I think it's, it is about learning. It is about taking steps, being brave. Um, I think every opportunity uh is an opportunity you, you need to go and grasp it you in the worst case scenario you'll learn that you don't want to do something uh and in the best case scenario you know you could fledge and make a career out of it and the ironic thing is is uh i always told myself i wouldn't work in aviation because you know uh dad uh, worked in aviation i'm very grateful for for what i've learned from him um uh, you know starting out um at the age of 17 uh, working his way uh, through ramp operations, etc., and um, I was surrounded by aviation and travel. I was very fortunate to be traveling from a very young age, uh, and that that kind of was ingrained in me. Um, and again, when I got the opportunity to start working, it was the opportunity to go work at a travel agency. It was a, a, a small startup. Again, taking up uh, appreciating an entrepreneurship. Uh, mindset uh, it was a travel agency in a home you know working online uh, at the age of 19 I would go sit there on the weekends uh, and learn things like world span and you know or just how to make presentations etc you know basic yeah. internship but it, it kind of made me understand travel um, and then the opportunity came along to um, to join the airline industry and even then I didn't really want to do it I thought, you know, I, maybe I need to go again, go back to your path. You know, uh, I've done A-levels. I should go off to university. I had a place at university. I took a gap year, uh, decided to do some travel through the Middle East. Um, 
I think that's where my affinity with the region started. I'm just, I've always been fascinated by the language, the culture, um, but also knew I needed a job when I came back. And uh, yeah, lo and behold, I ended up at uh, uh, working out on check-in um, at the age of 19. And it was it was an experience for sure. You know, I, I definitely learned how an airport operates and it was daunting. It was daunting. So yeah, look, um, it started off that way. And um, again, quickly I realized, you know, I wanted to do more. I looked around at some of the more interesting people around me and the things they were doing, the decisions they were making. I think my history, as it shows now, uh, going towards operations, I've always wanted that buzz. I'm always looking for what can we do differently? How can we improve things right now? I'm a very hands-on type of person. And again, I think this is what you start to shape your understanding. Now you reflect on it. I don't think I was sitting there thinking, oh, I really enjoy working with people. I don't think I identified it in that age because you're just enjoying the experience, you're learning. But actually, as I as I look back now, it's it's that passion that has brought me to where I am today. It's that passion to want to work with people, uh, you know, serve others, you know, um, that I believe is, is kind of brought me where I am today. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of how it all started. So that's a that's a, a, a real interesting one. There was no particular plan. There was never a set direction or a set path done by a degree or anything as often as that can happen. And a lot of things quite often happen by chance and uh just being open and having that openness to embrace you know an opportunity coming to you do you feel that that's a a skill that comes sort of naturally or does people need do people need to consciously leave themselves open to opportunity and and be challenged by potentially opportunities they never thought existed i think look uh you've hit the nail on the head because careers are changing now Careers are not so, uh, you know, uh, hierarchical. They're not so straightforward. Uh, people will move around. Um, I, I think it is about trying to become as general as possible, you know, to have a, a diverse career. Um, and I think, you know, many, even in our culture, you know, uh, people have decided for you, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a barrister, you're going to, and, and that's fine. There's no disrespect for that. And that might be the career path you decide to take. But I think... You, you've got to be open to opportunities. I think, um, you know, I look back now, I think, you know, even people that go in bus tables, you know, waiting, waiting, it, it, will, it will help them understand customer service. It will help them understand the graft that's involved. Um, I think certainly, you know, where I sit today, I think it always helps me to be able to relate back to what it feels like to be on a checking desk or to be that customer at the other end of, um, you know, when I look at, for example, you know, my KPIs, you know, how are we doing in terms of on-time performance? You know, it's very easy to think, okay, it's not as great as it should be. We will do something about it. But actually the core of that is actually someone has missed their journey. Someone has not made it on time. Someone has been inconvenienced. And it's about that core. So yeah, going back to your point, uh, the original question is, I think you will be open to the opportunities that come to you. And that I presented to you because, like I said earlier, the worst case scenario, you'll know you don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, and the other interesting point, obviously, to raise, and, and we mentioned we, there is a relation here, and we did have a, a father that worked in aviation, but we set <coughs> on two completely different paths. I have mainly been in, in the back office, worked in IT, worked in commercial, worked in customer, mm. um, and a lot of your stuff has been uh, operational 
focus. So when we have conversations on similar topics, we have the unique, unique uh, opportunity to talk about it from both ends. And very rarely do we actually agree on, on many of the points because I'll see it from a certain way, you'll see it from a certain way. But that's that's one of the powers of this this uh, thing that we're creating and a podcast that we're creating is being able to bring those topics and, and conversations and the different points of view uh, and the angles that you can look at. But even then, yes, paths weren't set. There was a uh, completely different path to me and completely different path to you, although we end up in, towards the same direction. But yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny, isn't it? Uh, I think the more we ran away from travel, travel followed us. Yeah. And that's quite ironic because uh, now we are the ones traveling. So it's it's quite a, a, a unique story. But like, and that's what it comes from, right? I think if you had closed the path off, like I thought in my head, I don't ever want to work in aviation was the kind of thing I said at 18 and lo and behold, here I am still 18 years later and, and loving it. You know, I think that's the key thing. You need to find a passion, something you enjoy um, and go after it, you know. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I think that the amazing thing about aviation and travel is the diversity of those people, you know, the, the backgrounds that they bring or the experiences they bring, you know, um, we, we, we're quite a unique bunch in that sense. You know, you find people that have worked, as you say, from all sorts of backgrounds and come together in, in quite a unique melting pot across the ecosystem that is travel. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And then just following on from on the career path where we were talking about, so your first job being check-in and how did you find that experience? Because that is, you know, you are a, a young a young person, you're going to take on a, a wealth of new information you're going to be serving the needs of others. I imagine there'll be long shifts, long time standing on your feet, yeah. a lot of jargon that's going to have to be learned. And also, yeah, having that knowledge that you're having to serve someone and get someone from A to B or to A to C via B. Um, How do you sort of find that challenge? What was the sort of unique experiences that you went there? And if there's any particular stories that you could remember going back that time yeah. that sort of stand out for you? I, I, I think, you know, I would have equivalent put it to an equivalent of um you know like an internship or like a summer job in my mind is what I thought I'll come and do this for a little bit and like I said here I am 18 years later still in that industry um I think it goes back to again your experiences uh I'm very fortunate uh, our father's always pushed us towards voluntary work uh in the community and I think that's always driven a, a service kind of culture or innate personality trait for us all and I think serving others is is another joy I think we talk about we're talking about here careers and fulfillment that comes from careers uh you know there will also be personal goals but I think there's something definitely very spiritual about being able to serve others and I think um that in a way you channel that and I think that was very easy for me at the time but yeah coming in and like I said I think quickly after six months or so I was like I could be doing more here I should be doing more here. And I think there's that's the other thing. You've got to back yourself. And I, I think I'll, we'll talk about that more as we go f further forward in in the discussion. But I was like, well, you know, with, with no understanding or recollection of what, you know, one of these managers, you know, sorting out, organizing resources, uh, managing the operational floor plate, as it were, I could do that without understanding exactly what they do. Not, I should be doing that. Why can't I do that? And I think then you understand the gap. And actually going back to stories, um, just a year in, you know, I was pulled aside by, by one of my managers and it was like, um, you know, I remember it very vividly. It was like, you know, what, what are you doing? And I thought, what do you mean, what am I doing? I'm doing my job. 
And he's like, but no, no, what, what next? And I'm thinking, what does he mean, what next? Does he want to know my next shift? <laughs> um, but, you know, it, it, it takes people reaching out and having a conversation and maybe opening up possibilities to you that you're not maybe aware of or open to. And it was like, well, there's, you know, here's, there's a manager's job here. You should apply for it. And I laughed. That was my initial response. I was like, I'm 20. And the kind of time I was I was working in that environment, you know, it was the tradition was, you know, you're kind of, you're, you go through the ranks, you know, you, you can't apply for a job for another few years. And, and actually that mold was being broken. There was like, well, no, you, you, you definitely capable. You should apply. And even then I was like, well, okay, I'll apply. It was very, let's give it a go. And again, things, things progress from there. Um, so I think sometimes, like you say, you got to, the whole essence of what I'll keep saying about my story is you, you got to continue to try, you know, there's no, and I love that today that I see that in a lot of uh, young people joining uh, the industry or people that I, I work with is they'll give it a go, you know, and that's, that's really important, you know, even, even what we're doing, I think I, I'm inspired by, uh, you know, the youth here, you know, it's, it's actually what's the worst that's going to happen here. You know, people might not watch this, mm. but actually at the worst case scenario, we, we've had an experience. We've, I've maybe reflected on what my career looked like and you may have learned something and I may have taken away something from this experience. So I don't think there's ever a, a bad decision in that sense. There's always a learning from every opportunity that, that presents itself. And then going on. So how, how did you progress through your career? Uh, what, what came next and yeah. how did that lead you where you are up to today? Yeah. So, um, it's a small airport, obviously down the road. Yeah. Heathrow, uh, happened to be opening up a new terminal and uh there was an opportunity to get involved in 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 that um and again i just and, and by that point i was like why not you know any opportunities that came up why not so this is the big huge famous infrastructure project that's renowned in in many scenarios yeah uh terminal five so. yeah, yeah yeah so um and look for me it was a great experience right i, I walked into that building which was still a shell and actually two and a half years later i was walking out of that building when it was a fully functional airport terminal so um again a real deep i mean if i'm working customer services to then move into operational processes uh you know moving into uh working with uh colleagues across the operation uh colleagues from the airport itself and and seeing that all come together and being involved in shaping that it was a really unique experience um and i think it, it got me a, a lot of visibility um and after that i knew i couldn't go back to doing what i was doing so um you know once that was all set up it was it was kind of time for me to to move on and um then i began to apply for anything and everything you know <laughs> and again it was it was a desire and I think that's where that point goes back to, you know, I, I really knew I needed to do something different and I was going to do that no matter what. So I always laugh to colleagues who ask me about, you know, how it all started for me or people I speak to in the terminals now or when I go to conferences and have these conversations. And I said, yeah, no, I was applying for 50 jobs a week. I went to interviews for things I had no clue what they were, but I knew even that experience pushing myself and my boundaries, I would learn something, you know. I had no idea what fair distribution was. And I did a presentation on why it's important 
<laughs> uh, and you know, unfortunately, in those days, I didn't have the access to Google on my smartphone. You know, uh, the point was is about pushing my boundaries, and actually, even that process made me learn more about the industry. So there's there's a couple of key key themes, and I think I'm feeling the energy. There was there was a there was a real drive for me at that age. Where where does that drive come from? What was fueling that drive? And and is that still with you today? Uh, yeah. No, look, I, 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 you, you reflect on these things over and over. I mean, uh, I know you, many members of our family say, oh, Sahel's very ambitious. I, I, I don't see it as that. I see it as actually, you know, wanting to learn the next thing. I think what you've always got to be open to is learning, you know. Um, and uh, even now, whether we talk about travel, we talk about anything around us, it, everything's changing, you know. Uh, technology around us is changing. Uh, and you know, you need to be able to adapt. You need to be able to educate yourself. And if you're just going to do things the way you've always done them, then you're never really going to move forward. So I think for me, it was always, I, I, I still have that hunger to learn. You know, I, uh, I'm i very privileged to sit where I sit, but by no means uh, am I a finished article, right? And there, there's a lot more to learn out there. There's a, there's a whole world to explore. And I think that's where, you know, moving from the UK came from the desire to want to experience new things, new cultures, uh, you know, identify with new people. So um, where it's come from, I think, I, I think it's always been a desire to learn. That's fundamentally where it's come from. Um, and again, my, you know, my, my father's a first generation uh, immigrant in this country. Um, I also saw him work really hard uh, from a young age. And I wanted to make sure, you know, I amplified that with my career and, and built up better opportunities. So I think it's a bit of both those. Brilliant. And then just um, continuing on uh, from following from your career, though, so there were a various number of roles uh, towards the, 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 more, the more recent times. Is there a more significant role that you started to feel more in your own, more in your element, performing, and then more of a understanding of where you wanted to head or was there still path not not quite clear uh, i still say to you i don't think the path is very clear i think um i would say once i became a manager i realized you know i've, I've managed cabin crew for example in the ifc departments uh, the 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 flight ops departments those, those areas again a new uh, breed um, a new department a new area of expertise but I always had an affinity to wanting to work overseas, you know. So, for example, I wanted to be an airport manager at one stage. Like, you know, it wouldn't be good to have some control yourself and run this area yourself. Uh, you know, looking back, I'm thinking oh, it's straight, just quite straightforward. <laughs> mm -hmm. But actually, at the time, it was like I want to do it, and you know, and I think sometimes again, it goes back to putting yourself out of your comfort zone. I think hopefully, what what I can portray today, and I think what you would see in my own career is. Sahel has always pushed himself out of his comfort zone. Um, so I went to Algeria, of all places, uh, six months after I got married. <laughs> That's a surprise for my wife. But it was a, you know, again, it was an opportunity to experience something different, go and do something knowing that I could come back. And I thought, why not? You know, um, and it's that curiosity that then, you know, I had to learn to fend for ourselves <laughs> in a country where they don't speak English. I had to run an operation out of there, get things done, influence people, uh, influence government, you know, uh, manage colleagues, you know, all without the language. And, and, and that was a unique experience. But what I always told myself when it got difficult is that, you know what, 
no one can ever doubt my resilience after I deliver this because you want to ask me about a difficult scenario. I have a great example. And it's, and you know, when people talk about interviews and coming up with great examples, it's, it's about finding moments like that and making moments like that in your career. Brilliant stuff. I think, yeah, again, this is uh, why the topic of travel is so emotive for us and, and, other people the the doors and the opportunities it opens the windows into other countries the the life experiences it brings and that's why we think it's such an important role in society and people's lives and that's why i'm so passionate about it and I, I i just love the reach that it can give um but yeah and then following on to, from that various roles in in different countries and then you landed where you are today so what are you doing what are you doing today yeah so um i think uh I then had an opportunity to go down and, and manage my own operation at a larger scale uh, at Gatwick, you know, and I was very grateful for that opportunity because actually I think those three years really shaped, going back to your point about career, where it shaped me, you know, um, it was a, Gatwick said amazing, amazing infrastructure, a great, and, great and community. The, and the great thing about this is, and having and knowing this, and obviously we have the view of hindsight now, you worked with quite a few special people who are in, very special roles right now who are very close to you in that operation. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, my, my point there is is uh, Gatwick is very unique. It's, uh, it's a unique business model. Uh, it's, it's, it's small enough to know everyone. It's large enough to still challenge you. And I think through that, I was very fortunate that uh, what we did down there uh, was, was more visible. Uh, if I be honest, you know, when you when you're working in large volume, things can get you know lost, and I think some of the initiatives we put down there by making uh, you know the airline the most punctual airline out of Gatwick for two years running, an improvement in the operation, uh, creating new processes, you know, designing new customer experiences, uh, you know, changing terminals in that time, enhancing the customer product down there. I think it was really, really fascinating that the way we could do those things and do them at speed. And I think that's what I learned at Gatwick, the, the, the ability to work so agile in an operation. You know, um, sometimes when, when you're working for legacy carriers, legacy airlines, I would say, in travel is they can feel like tankers when they're moving. And that is a challenge, you know, because, again, we're talking about energy and I hope that comes across today. We're all talking about, you know, the ambition, the drive. But you've got to learn to take people with you. But equally, not everyone's going to come with you. So you've got a decision to make, you know. You either can slow down and, you know, carry on as everyone else and carry on doing what you're supposed to do or believe you can push things through and, and take take that on and deliver it. And I think, uh, you know, we, we chose the latter down at Gatwick and uh, I think it was a phenomenal experience. We had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun and that was important. And I think that kind of... At that point, I was before I'd got there. I was a bit lost. I wasn't quite sure. Going back to your point, what happens next? And actually, and that's where you need good leaders, good managers, good, good, good supporters, good advocates. Because uh, you know, my my boss down there, when when he asked me to come and manage the operation, the ground operation specifically, you know, the, the movements of the aircraft. I'm learning about block, you know, stand uh, allocation. I'm learning about block operation centers, and block times, and I was a bit like, I don't. I don't know anything about operations in that sense. And, <laughs> you know, it, it's just the confidence of someone to around and say, well, neither do I, we'll learn it together. You know, um, of course he didn't know what he's talking about, but it's the point is, is, you know, giving you that confidence. And, and 
I think that's what I've learned and carry on today. So, you know, like I said, what's the worst that's going to happen? You know, um, those experiences are what shape you. So, yeah, no, I think Gatwick was a, was a big part of that. And I think at that time, I also knew I wanted to experience something uh, overseas. I wanted to kind of move towards Asia, Middle East. And uh, yeah, the opportunity to run the entire operation across the Middle East, uh, Africa and Asia Pacific came along. And with that came the opportunity to move to the UAE, uh, which um, I did just before COVID. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, looking at that, looking back at that, it was the best decision I made at the time, you know, because um, it is my dream job. You know, I'm, I'm managing over 26 countries, uh, diverse operations, working with some fantastically diverse people who can can pull a rabbit out of the hat if you give them the confidence, you empower them. So, uh, I'm, and I'm very fortunate where uh, I'm exposed and uh, work with a, a wide range of network um, and stakeholders. So it's really about now building upon that. So there's a, th this is where we're going to refer back to the intro of, of the, the region that you manage is so diverse, so unique. Um, you think you travel six hours and you discover something completely different over there you travel three hours and you you you're in a completely different zone so you've got the the region of the middle east asia and africa uh really up and coming regions and uh that sort of brings me to to one of the next points that i'll sort of discuss a lot of news coming out of the middle east of new carriers being born uh current carriers reinvesting and really taken and st stepped up the game if you were and you're, you're in a unique position sitting in the middle east representing a a, a european carrier and you, you see these new carriers coming around and, and one we can quote like you have a riyadh air a, a new airline backed by the saudi um investment funds and who are really setting an ambitious goal of changing the game of rewriting how things are done and and ramping up operations like you've never seen it you coming from an operations background, being from around that region and having that experience, if I posed the question to you, how would you go about that challenge if that challenge was given to you? You have a, a healthy budget, you have a lot of backing, and you have the goal of trying to be uh, the size of a, a very big carriers that are currently exist in that region by 2030. How do you go about that? Uh, look, I think it's a good question. I think that the 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 main thing you've got to take away uh, when you want to deliver something like this is that you've got to have people that buy into a vision. And I think um, what you're seeing in the Middle East is is people buying into a vision. Um, there is a massive desire for a change, a shift in in the thought process when it comes to people that think of Saudi Arabia. Um, uh, when they think about what's possible there, and I think uh, the amount of change that is happening there. Um, it's about taking people with you. So I think I think a vision. So um, I think in this case, you've got people backing that, like you said, financially. But I think there is a clear vision about where they want to get to. It's ambitious. But, you know, I don't think, as they say, if you don't reach for the stars, stars you you know, at the worst case, you'll land on the clouds, you know. So I think you have to you have to try and do that. And I think what I would say from an operations perspective when you're trying to do something so big is about... You know, trying to get the basics right. You know, um, I think you can always look at what's out there today and try and emulate and copy. But I think we've seen over the years uh, that can only get you so far. 
Um, so right now you'd be making decisions that are, you know, as we've seen, whether it's fleet decisions you're making that will that will tell you how complex your operation will be in 10 years time. Because, you know, uh, if you choose a complex fleet, fleet structure, that will add complexity into your operation and the flexibility you have in your operation. I think the other thing is about how you can digitize. You know, I think this is a great opportunity. I think um, if you ask any leg legacy carrier, there's a few pieces they will happily uh, move away from, but can't, you know. So I think it's about, and I think you're seeing that, you know, whether it's there or the projects you're seeing in Neom right now, it's it's not, and, and it goes back to what we're trying to get to here. You know, I, I'm mentioning on aviation, I'm talking about airlines, but actually it is about travel. And what the language you're seeing in Saudi Arabia at the moment or in the Middle East is about mo mobility. That's what it comes down to. It's about mobility and how do you get someone from A to B. So one vehicle is Riyadh Air, you know, when you think about Saudi Arabia. But, you know, you're talking about the, the future opportunities that come with that in terms of technology, whether that's, uh, you know, driverless vehicles, autonomous vehicles, uh, autonomous aircraft, you know. Uh, so I think it's quite, it's quite exciting. And I think what you've got to do when you're looking at it from an operational perspective is how do you build an ecosystem that works closely? So like I said, I think the vision, um, I think in terms of uh, the decisions you're making around your operation, getting those basics right and making sure it's digitized, you know. And I think you've got to go and get the talent, you know. Uh, there's plenty of people that would be interested in this project for sure absolutely there's no doubt about it but you got to get the right people in that are vested and buy into that vision you know because um, you know that's not a long time to try and deliver what the ambitions are however how often do you get an opportunity to go work in a in a in a startup uh, which is that 30 billion dollars you know startup you know it's, a, it's an amazing opportunity but I think you need the right type of people in there that want to go and deliver that be you know get be proud and excited want to get out of bed to go and deliver something because yeah. uh right now there's nothing right i mean we, we're obviously hearing about uh, the the first aircraft being painted etc all the excitement that's being built up but right now people need to be working hard in the background to lay the foundations of what that operation will look like and i think those are the core items for me that you need to kind of look at to to get things right and then that gives you the flexibility as it evolves I I I I agree with what you've you've said there. I think having the vision and buying into it, having a clear strategy and direction, knowing what you want to achieve and your end goal is, um, how you want to be perceived and what brand you're trying to build. I think fantastic and and, that, and the digital aspect. See, that digital aspect. I think you have the unique opportunity to build something brand new from scratch that doesn't exist. But the problem sometimes is is the incumbents who create such technology already exist and will tell you things have to be a certain way for you to function so that sort of slightly hampers innovation so one thing i would definitely try to recommend is think outside the box if you can rewrite this and you're not hampered by legacy or partnerships or anything like that and you're full and staying true to yourself build from scratch there's no reason why and i believe this why an airline can't be a shopify shop it could e-commerce should be that simple it shouldn't be uh, EMDs and booking classes and booking fairs. It is a product that is in a product catalog that can be purchased. It is a unique product airlines sell. We sell a very unique product because you'd never get a product that actually expires and comes back the next day and there's a brand new different product. So in New York on the 7th of June at 5 o'clock, an economy seat in row F product 
expiry date is to that date and that product will never come back ever again. A new product is created the next day. That brings a unique set of challenges, but it needs to be as simple as that. That's where we need to get to. And I'm hoping people who, who are working in these areas and, and create create that for us all in, in, the, in the space and we can aspire to work towards that. Yeah, it's a fine balance, like you say, isn't it? There is the existing ways of working and it's about developing the, the, the new ways of working. And ultimately, we've all got to remember what we're here for. We're here for the customer, to serve a customer. So, uh, I, you know, rather than just accepting the pain points and saying we'll just do it fancier, that shouldn't be the goal. I mean, if you know, again, it's very, it's very exciting when you hear the plans, and like you said, at the same time, it raises eyebrows. The, the amount of money being invested, the the, the desire to compete with some of the, well, the top five airlines in the world, and you, you know, people kind of look over and think, they can't do that, and I think that's the that's the fuel, that's the that's the driver there to say actually we can and we will, and this is how we're going to do it. It doesn't mean we're going to do it the same way as you. And I think uh, that's where I said that, that compelling vision that they are going to deliver something that people don't believe that can be delivered. I think that it creates a mentality that you, you will go out and look to do things differently. So, um, yeah, look, I think good luck to them. But like I said, I think that's one of the beauties of the Middle East. I think the Middle East as a, as a travel space is phenomenally growing. You know, uh, you look at where we are today, you know, I mean, I'm in Dubai and Dubai is one of the most sought after travel destinations in the world because they've always remained brave you know they they've had a clear vision you think about how dubai has managed covid you know uh, everyone regressing and and thinking about how they can how 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 we can manage through lockdowns um it was a very clinical way of looking at it you know matter of fact you know at the end of the day how many people can we manage in a hospital and the hospitals we have let's talk data and the minute we get close to that that's when we lock down and we lock down to build infrastructure. We lock down to build readiness so that we can manage more. You know, did they get everything right? Probably not. But at the same time, it's about, you know, as we say, you know, not making a decision is a decision. Yeah. And actually they took a decision, you know, um, and then back that decision. And, you know, after a six week lockdown, there they were, you know, open to the world, which seems very strange, you know telling everyone else we're, we're going out yes it's with restrictions but we are out we're working we are we are getting services we're eating out you know things are happening and and that, that really propelled it but again that that's the beauty of some of these countries and and the desire they have in terms of growing economies that actually what's the next step you know even now displaying their 2050 uh, vision you know, that they want Dubai to be 50% greener. And you're like, wow. But the point is, is that desire, that signpost to get there, that vision to get there, even if they don't get there, they get halfway. That's pretty impressive. And that's the point. The direction of travel is really key. And I think um, with anything, and I think that's where travel, we do need more disruptors. We need more disruptors to kind of talk, rather than just talk about what we can do in the confines of what's available to us, is actually what can we do next? How can an operation run differently? How can we personalize travel in a way that it hasn't been done today? Or why is it so easy to do something on a phone, but so difficult to do when it comes to my travel, or my booking? You know, the, the, unfortunately, the small wins are small, massive wins in our industry, when actually outside of our industry, they're very, still very small. And that's what we've got to change. Brilliant. So, so how we, we talked a lot about 
mentioning of technology we mentioned things like data and being you know digitally native so and 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 there's other things other than just the the digital the customer journey as it were or, or digital aspects but what key trends are you seeing in the the aviation travel space right now and where do you think there is opportunity that lies even in the operational space that you are in yeah so look um if i talk about what's close to home uh, in terms of operations i think there's a massive opportunity to automate uh, a lot of the activity that takes place you know there is a there is a high degree of risk involved uh, whether it's safety or security when it comes to you know high value assets <laughs> moving around a confined space and more importantly human capital you know um so anything you can do to reduce the risk to people and your assets is is only going to help make your operation slicker and more efficient so i think uh you know i've been fortunate enough to see firsthand you know and be involved in trials of things like uh you know autonomous vehicles autonomous dollies um and i think the 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 kind of need from individuals and and customers of, uh, who want choice is looking at more sustainable and efficient ways of working and i think the two can marry you know the thing is is you know a turnaround you know i'd love to do a little skill bite on on this one day you know we could talk about it, but you know effectively an aircraft comes in a certain number of activities happen and then it goes out those same activities happen over and can, over, over and over again, again slight modifications but th there is a whole array of data available to you that to help you know enhance that um you know and that then builds up not only to making sure you have a predictable reliable operation but beyond that then you can have a predictable operation at your airport beyond that you can have predictable skies around your airport you know you see where you're getting as you get further out and out that that way of working will only bring more efficiency you know we we will see in the summer you know uh significant pressure on the skies over europe you know we always do you know the air traffic environment isn't isn't conducive but we know that we know aircraft will turn up late they get turned around late resources are not in place we struggle with resources we turn it back around and it's still late it gets the other end late and then it has to come back and we this cyclical cycle is then knocking on to tomorrow's operation um so you know the more predictable we can make it i think you know i think the the ability that we have around data um machine learning you know i think like i said this is predictive you know uh i should be able to tell that this reg of aircraft will be late by x amount when it flies the route it does this flight number you know my point is is again it's about being fast with that being agile with that you know being dynamic with that you know today i could type in a flight number on google and it will tell me generally that that flight is late you know if google is telling me that why am i not using data like that mm -hmm. you know more and more and that's the danger um you know with with airlines and aviation in general i think the danger is you could be left behind by the consumer you know um yes it's a complex business you know certainly is and none of this comes easy but that's not an excuse the point is the customer's demanding more you know whether that's today technology enabling that or just the curiosity of uh the customer you know today you know using an air tag i can find out exactly where my bag is mm -hmm. but my arrivals agent who searches the system can only see that the bag was tagged in a certain destination 
Yeah, doesn't know where it is. Where where it has. I been. mean, no. we we'll have a good we'll have a good uh, idea, but factually, the system will say. So if I was flying London to Dubai, it will say the bag was tagged in Dubai and it was seen and it was maybe loaded in Dubai. Now, obviously, it's only got one place to go from there if it's been loaded, but we're not at the point where we can see where it is exactly. Whereas mm. you know, th this technology says, well, no, I know where it is. It's sitting out there, or it's you know at Heathrow. It's there. It's it's being delivered, or whatever it might be. But my point is, is um, you know, there is a, a lot of opportunity out there, and I think over the next five to ten years, we will see elements of this starting to happen. At the moment, we see a lot of proof of concepts. And I think that's where collaboration needs to come in. You can't have your own agenda. So if, if this helps the airport, ultimately it's going to help the airline. If it helps the airline, it's ultimately going to help the customer. You've got to take a bigger view on these things. And, and I think that's where we have responsibility as leaders to try and give a more strategic view to these things, to say, actually, in the long run, this is better for the consumer. And ultimately, the consumer will be happier, therefore want to come back. Makes complete sense. And I, I couldn't agree more. I think there the new age that we're living in and the speed at which technology is being brought forward take for example your your ai and uh machine learning the the speed that that works in we will be reactive rather than proactive on that one mm -hmm. um uh because i don't think we'll be able to keep up with it uh but it's going to bring a wealth of opportunity many examples which you mentioned of uh, of baggage of you know on predictability and stability in operations uh which i hope people especially even carriers who are from a, a you know a legacy heritage can implement quite fast because um again we, we play a role in society of giving them the opportunity to, to go somewhere and they need to arrive on time um and it's really hard once you've disrupted someone or made someone angry to keep that loyal business and to keep them happy uh, luckily you have a captive audience for a certain number of hours where you can recover that but it don't it should never always be relied on that there's a cabin crew that need to go and serve it, do service recovery for you all the time i think everything can be made complex uh, fundamentally you've hit the nail on the head ultimately travel is emotive it's an experience and it's our responsibility yeah to work around that experience to make that a pleasurable experience you know whether sometimes it can feel that way or not when I'm turning an aircraft around, I've got the pressure to get it away. But like you say, there are, you know, travel is something that is very close to everyone. You know, it, it's an experience. It's an it's a it's a feeling. And and that's what we kind of always have to remind ourselves. We're one cog as part of that emotional journey that someone goes on, you know, whether that's going to experience a new part of the world, whether that's unfortunately going to, you know, attend a funeral whether it's, you know, to go attend the birth of a child or an experience, a graduation, there are so many emotions that are in in travel. And I think, you know, we play one part of that to get that person from A to B. And we've got to do more to make sure that we make that a smoother journey for someone. I, I couldn't agree more. I think that's a, a brilliant point that you make. Um, so just when we, we've covered the digital part, we've, we've covered the... Your, your operational background and taking all that in consideration I'll ask you a question here if you were in current times a younger age starting out your career with the, all the technology that's available opportunities that are available starting your career in aviation 
what would you be looking at and what would you be doing and how would you be going about it? I know you mentioned that no past is ever written, but what sort of things would you be looking to take advantage of and use to help benefit you in your career if you were currently doing that? Uh, yeah, I mean, look, um, the industry can feel quite hard right now, you know, after COVID, you know, and, and I think we are custodians of the industry. We, we, you know, we are examples in the industry. And I think if I looked at today, the, the, the wealth of information available um, is, 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 is boundless. And I think learning has changed where I would say, you know, go, go read about aviation or go read about aviation economics. Actually, you know, the amount of content that's out there, you know, um, we, we, we can spend endless hours on social media. There is beneficial social media out there. There's some really great accounts where, you know, just about learning about that industry, getting that wider scope. But I guess my thing would be is, you know, just get in. You know, I would encourage anyone to walk in. Um, you know, there are some really great opportunities, whether it's if you're a graduate, there are graduate schemes, you know, there, but there are entry level roles. And I think it goes back to now what I would say is where maybe I just I fluked it at the start. I just wanted the experience and see where I got to. I think I'd be a bit more um, purpose led in terms of that. that actually, if I am going to go and work on check in or I'm going to work on the ramp, it's because I want to learn the operation. You know, if I'm going to work in sales, I, I want to understand that the end to end sales process, because at some point I want to go manage it. I want to go lead it. Um, so I'd be I'd be a bit more purposeful in that sense. And I and I think it's about continue be brave, you know, and I think uh, that's difficult because, like I said, uh, travel can quite be quite traditional. But, you know. I would love to hear about someone who doesn't know about the airline industry, about how they would run an airline. I would love to hear the question you asked me about the Middle East to someone who has experience in pharmaceuticals because it's all about fresh ideas. Mm -hmm. And I think we're in a place now where people are willing to challenge the norm. You know, we you know, there's risk in that. But I think I would I would be recommending that, you know, you you've got to be brave, you know. My equivalent of applying that applies today. You know, uh, you know, I know people are struggling, you know, to, to kind of find their way. But there are opportunities out there. You've got to go pursue them. You know, just because you applied for 10 jobs and didn't get something, that means you didn't apply for enough. <laughs> you know, um, you, you need to put yourself out there. You know, your your CV, your 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 scope around what you do today, what you're trying to do is your sales pitch. You know, and your sales pitch needs to take into consideration the consumer, i.e. the recruiter who's looking at it. But it also needs to market. You need to be able to market yourself. So you know, you've got to really look at yourself when you're when you're putting things across like that to say, actually, am I am I doing the best? So, for example, when you have when you're following up sales leads, you're you're you're, you know, write down the individual's names, the contact details when you last spoke to them. How many people do that about their jobs? when they're applying for jobs. So oh, I spoke to, you know, I spoke to Raza, we had a good conversation. When was the last time you followed up with Raza? How long has it been since you last spoke to him? Because that's how your, your your sales force, your CRM will work when it comes to, se you know, sales leads. That's what you'd be expected to do. But you'll be doing that for a product. But what about your product, you? Are we doing enough of those kind of things? So I think, look, none of this is easy. Yeah, uh, it doesn't come easy. People have to work hard. But you've got to find... Um, a path and you've got to kind of pursue that path and and that's what i would say i'd say you know always be open to learning that would be my biggest thing 
you know you know uh, aviation um, you know travel is a phenomenal industry i think there are you know you can do anything you can literally do anything you want to go work as a as a rep at a hotel over the summers that's travel you want to go and be a tour guide that's travel we've done that as well you know you want to go and work in an airline you want to go work in grand handling you want to go work in a sales shop you know there, there are so many opportunities engineering you know the, the list is on endless and the the amount of skills and experiences you get from that so uh of course i'm biased but i don't think there's a better place to be than travel brilliant so so how we've covered a lot of ground today and there are there's one thing that's sort of shouting out to give a, a gem of advice that we want to give to to anyone watching sort of what are the general skills that you think are really important in in a workplace especially aviation and travel but in a general workplace what advice would you give to someone as skills to work on or improve or or, or look out for uh, yeah look, i think it's a really good question I, I i think the the biggest thing i would always say is uh the the ability to communicate and and that's multifaceted because to to be able to communicate well you need to be able to listen well uh, a lot of people take listening as listening to speak <laughs> and i think uh, there needs to be more active listening i think if you can develop that skill that's really important because you you'll kind of be able to develop the the kind of non speaking body language that comes with that and you know in terms of reading the room and reading people i think communication is a is a big one i think the other thing is about willingness to learn like i said i think uh, sometimes you know uh you know titles are what they are you know it's just a way of being able uh, be able to identify you you know um they can work in your favor they can also work against you uh because people might not want to come talk to you because you are too senior um equally um you know the people might not want to talk to you because you're not senior enough you know so titles are what they are and i think that's where your ability and willingness to learn is really important I think the other thing is is and again I'm I'm focusing on soft skills here because I think those are the ones that need to be developed and I think uh, my concern today when I see new talent coming through is it's very easy because again of the lifestyles we live today uh, you know very online lifestyles uh, slightly introvert lifestyles there is a danger of that so you could lose those skills whether it's you know public speaking or communicating effectively is 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 my worry and that's why i think those are really important because again uh, the emotion you can put across in in your communication is is massive and 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 the ability to connect with people so there's a there's an interesting question and by no means am i generalizing here but do you think that the, the sort of communication the possible public speaking or the the outward human to human conversation is dying out with the 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 faces that we see on social media the the use of your chats and your whatsapp do you think that skill and the art of talking to another human is dying out or is that i i don't know if i'm best placed to kind of make those kind of claims but yes <laughs> it is as simple as i mean the point here is is uh, the the dynamics and the ability to practice those skills is is dwindling away I think uh you know that's why uh, even this today it, we we could have done this on as a as a one in front of a camera but I think it's compelling and it's interesting that we're doing it with two people as a conversation because I think uh there would be a very different audience and I think there would be a different outcome if it was just one of us so I I think people are just by nature and I think that's where you've got to 
acknowledge it. You've got to be aware of that. So it is dying because naturally we're not getting enough time to communicate. You know, I think uh, we I don't think we can blame technology because I think there are other advantages to it. I think you just got to be more aware of it that actually the the opportunity to communicate face to face is is kind of moving away. Um, you know, even in the workplace, you know, it's very easy to now, you know, you have behaviors where you could be in the same office space and people are calling you on teams. Um, and I think that's where you've got a role model. That's where you've got to maybe, um, you know, set the example, you know, and, and, and there's ways of doing that, isn't there? It's why don't you just, you know, Get stand up, up and desk. walk up to them and say, oh, coffee. I'm here. Yeah. Don't worry. Let's have a conversation now. Yeah. You know? Yes, it could be easy for you because you'd rather sit on your desk and get on with the next thing. There's always a reason why, but you, you've got to prioritize, I think, uh, those communication opportunities. Brilliant. And we, we covered a lot of ground and, and you mentioned one key thing that you had a lot of people that sort of reached out along your journey, along your career to say, give you inspiration, give you guidance, give you mentorship, whatever that really is. Are there some key standout people that you can recall that gave you, uh, you know, a sort of gem advice, a uh, gem of advice or anything like that? Um, yeah, so look, um, I think every success has many people along the way, you know, I think whether that's, you know, those around you at home, in your personal life or even in your work life. And I think I would always encourage people to go identify mentors, you know, because, and there's two ways of looking at that, right? Because there might be people you aspire to be like, right? And all, all the roles that they're doing. You know, that's one great thing. You know, you say, I want to do that role. That looks interesting. Why don't I go meet this person? And and, and, and the beauty is, is we're all human and we have egos. Yeah. So it's no harm in, in stroking someone's ego. Uh, coming to me and saying, I love what you do. I love the role that you do. I love all the activity that's involved with what I see. I'd love to learn from you. I'd love to hear your story. Like even today, that's what you're doing. You know, yeah. I mean, the point is, is, um, you know, again, the human connection, that's where you build it from. If I just, if you just sent me an email asking me, can you tell me about your career? I'd probably ignore it. There's no, uh, there's no connection there, but a conversation and, and, and reaching out to my needs will, will attach my attention attract my attention. And, and that's, um, you know, re really, really important. So, I think there are there are there are a number of people, and I think hopefully we'll get them on the podcast. I'd like you to kind of talk to them. Then you'll see who they are. Uh, but there there are too many to name. I think uh, along the way there have been many individuals who've who've pushed me in a way that uh, I never knew was possible. Or you know, I I looked at those people and thought, you know, I I couldn't get there. And I think those have changed along the way, and that's kind of my my big uh push out of that is you know identify mentors you know people that you want to be like um and and take the best but yeah i mean look if i if i look at some of the names uh you know i i, I work with uh tom stoddart at city flyer i think a, a big influence on my career um you know, Sean Doyle at, at uh, British Airways. I, I think uh, a, a great example I can give someone like Sean is uh, uh, in one of his previous roles, he was he was overseeing Gatwick and I was looking after the operation down there. And um, uh, I, I went to kind of have my first one-to-one -one with him and I'm thinking, oh, I, I took all my data, all my, all my information and uh, it threw me off because he's asked me how I was doing. And I thought, 
yeah, I'm doing well and this is how they operate. He goes, no, I'm asking how you're doing. And I was a bit like, I'm, I'm okay. <laughs> I'm not sure. Um, but actually, and then that that one-to-one transpired about giving me homework to go read books on culture. Um, and, I, and I walked away thinking, I, well, oh, okay. <laughs> um, really baffled, but actually it made me realize actually, like you say, uh, the work is the work. And I guess... You know, that's why someone like Sean is where they are, because, you know, uh, they take a, a bigger view of things and, and a bit more holistic. And it was more about talk to me about, you know, culture at work. You know, let's let's learn about it together. Let's let's share ideas. And it was, yeah, very, very unique. And, and it got me thinking again. And those uh, those open questions, those kind of conversational questions rather than just the work, because and actually I remember going to him you know, years after saying, I, I never forget that because they are moments, right? And and I think he the, 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 the bit he said to me was, well, if the operation wasn't running well, I would have known, right? And I'd know. So why do I need to talk about things that I know you can do? I want to know about the things you can't do and how we can help you learn those things. And, you know, it's quite a profound statement that kind of stuck, stuck with me. So, yeah, I mean, look uh, there as well. And again, I was very fortunate. Um, uh, Lynn Ableton, who, who who is now um, at IAG Cargo, uh, I, I got I got I was with her as well. Um, uh, you know, like and Javid Javid Malik, uh, who is just the CEO at uh, AirAsia. You know, um, certainly look to emulate his career. I think the way he's always been willing to learn. I think uh, he's always been good counsel. You know, uh, <laughs> and I think maybe that's what that's rubbed off on me. Because I said, well, I'm thinking of doing this go do it well I'm not sure what's the worst that's gonna happen go do it you know push yourself and and I think there are many many people along the way that come along and I think uh, there are people you look at as well and you think wow you know how you know love to do what they're doing or love to understand how they're doing and I hope that with this podcast and this platform we'll be able to kind of share that uh, with the audience here so that we can understand well how how have they done what they've done because I think or, or being in awe is great, but actually, at the essence of it all, we're all humans. We're all human, yeah. be- you know. And everyone's, it's the the way I would relate is, you know, whether it's a, a team meeting at a junior manager level or an exec level. What I've learned is, that it's the same thing. It's conversations with people, you know. Um, you can overthink things. Actually, it's 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 conversations with people, and ultimately, your ability to influence them your ability to connect with them and your ability to take them on a journey. Fantastic. So I think then that sort of brings me to one of the sort of closing points, I guess. Um, we, you've had a, a over 20-year career now in aviation. Um, and like I said, we're, we're moving through a time where technology is rampant, opportunities are rampant. Where do you see yourself in the next 10 years and what does success look like for you in that time period or even slightly further on than that? What would you like to have achieved? Um, I give you very confused statements because I keep saying we'll, we'll see how it all goes. And, and that's how the career ended up. And that got me to where I am today. But I think you, 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 you start to narrow that down. I think for me, it's I still have loads to learn. Uh, and I have a desire to to continue learning. So I think the next 10 years... Uh, you know travel is an ecosystem you know so for me it's about learning about the different parts of those ecosystems whether it's uh, 
along the supply chain in aviation, whether that's, you know, ground handling, whether that's at the airports, uh, whether it's, um, you know, uh, working in, in, in different aspects of that, you know, for sure. Um, and I think it's about where I can share my knowledge, you know, uh, equally and, and opportunities like that. But um, I definitely believe, uh, you know, Asia, Middle East, there, there is a really bright future there when it comes to travel. So I'd, I'd love to be involved in that. Um, but I think it's about now taking a wider strategic view. Like I said, you know, what's been shared with me is about being able to take a more uh, holistic view of my own career. Um, you know, so yes, uh, I would love for it to be in travel. But I think it's about, like I said, how can I serve the needs of others in what I do? Um, I'm very grateful that I sit on uh, a steering committee for a for a charity, Football for Peace. They do some great, great work. Um, um, so I, I love being able to, again, get involved with things like that to help shape that, but equally be part of something making a positive in impact on other people. So I think... Um, it, it goes back to the essence of what I said at the beginning, you know, it's about my, my ability to serve others, you know, um, and how I can do that. So yeah. Um, d do I see myself in aviation? Uh, who knows? Do I see myself, but I, I definitely see myself attached to travel in, in some way over the next 10 years and, uh, hopefully leading the, the next generation of talent and hopefully the next, uh, phase of that industry. Brilliant. And so this brings us to our next segment, uh, sort of final segment that I like to close off the podcast with is something we call the uh, rapid fire round. So I'll be uh, giving you some one word uh, questions just to get your quick fire opinion on and some slightly longer questions to get your thoughts on as well. So uh, it's all for a bit of fun. So listen up and uh, let's get going. Uh, let me know when you're ready and we'll uh, fire away. Fire away. Technology. Exciting. Travel. Emotion. Sean Doyle. Inspiration. British Airways. I innovator. London. Home. Dubai. Also home. <laughs> Africa. Beautiful. Chicken or beef? Chicken. Aisle or window? Uh, window. City break, beach break? I think for me, still a beach break so to be able to switch off uh, with the kids. Yeah. Favorite aircraft type? Uh, 747 is still my favorite aircraft type. One essential travel item that you can't live without. Um, oh, I use some, uh, I'm not going to know they're sponsoring, but uh, Kio eye cream is, is really important. <laughs> Especially the travel I do, I need to look, uh, look half decent when I get off a plane. So um, it's definitely something I always travel with. One bit of travel advice you would give to anyone? Just go and do. Go explore. Best holiday destination? 
best holiday destination um i would say uh south africa common myth about travel common myth about travel that it's complicated one thing you'd like to change about travel that people think it's complicated <laughs> If you could choose anyone to sit next to on a 10-hour flight, who would it be and why? Oh, God. Um, um, who would it be and why? Oh, well, look, I'm still a big football fan. So uh, I, I'd love to sit next to a, a Messi or Ronaldo and, and hear about uh, the, their journeys and, and how, you know the experiences they've had. But um, And then if I think about in 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 aviation um i I'd, I'd love to hear about the the journeys again close to where i am today uh whether it's uh mr backer or, or tim, Sir tim clark i'd love to hear about the journeys they've been on and uh i hope at one point we might be able to not necessarily get them on us next to a plane but maybe on these sofas I think that's the best way to to end with that wish. Uh, so, Hal, thank you so much for your time um, and coming onto the podcast again. This is a something that we're building together. Um, it will be very different. You'll see different locations and hopefully around the world. And what we need from you is interaction. Tell us what to talk about. Uh, comments uh, below. You can get in touch with Sahel on. LinkedIn, I'll put the details in the description below. But thank you again. And obviously, it is an absolute pleasure doing this with you. And like I said, I've got to have the unique perspective of seeing the journey from the other side, close to home, not as a competitor or anything, but as a supportive brother. So I wish you nothing but the best and all the success. And hopefully this podcast will be something that's uh, unique and brand new that we get to build this industry and build some great things from it so thank you again Sahel and uh, we wish you all the best no, thank you um, I, I really appreciate the opportunity and like you say I think uh, obviously we're doing this in the format that we normally uh, are looking to develop this podcast on so it's a it's, it's quite difficult isn't it when you're sitting across your brother but um, I think um, you know what I've what I would say is I think this will be a great opportunity to again share you know industry news uh new technology i think we'll, we'll be talking about this platform and what else this platform will provide in terms of the flying high club and we look forward to be able to share that with you but i think uh you know i'm, I'm really proud of what you're what you're building here and and i hope in in some small way i can i can continue to support that and i think that's what we need from you you know your your support i don't think we're sitting here telling you we know how to do all this and, and this is how things should be done but it's about bringing you know minds together and and making something in terms of content that's relevant so um i hope we're able to do that and i hope we can do that going forward so um as as rosa said i think hopefully if you the more interaction you can give with these videos um let us know what you want to see uh, and, and we'll do our very best to tailor that um to you as the audience so yeah look, once again thank you very much uh for having me it was a pleasure thank you very much bye